0: Our working definition for this series uh, is simply this. We've been saying this the last couple weeks. Prayer is engaging in an ongoing love relationship with your Heavenly Father. It it isn't anything uh, more than that. Prayer is, as one person wrote, simply keeping company with the God of the universe. It isn't a complicated system. It isn't a a ritualistic pattern. It is simply, simply engaging in an ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe who invites you, who has called you son and daughter, invites you to call him father. This morning we're going to ask a question That if you've been journeying with us for the last couple weeks, I I hope you've started to ask. And, And even if you haven't, my guess is that even the reason you're here indicates that whether you acknowledge it or not, realize it or not, you're asking this question. Now, the question isn't posed real well for us guys because we don't use this language. So I just got to put that out front. I'm going to say it, and some of you guys are going to go, "No." uh But but you do. You do. Okay, we do. We just don't ever admit it. Here's the question that uh, I believe we're going to do our best to ask and answer and that Jesus wants to speak into this morning. How, How do we experience intimacy with God? How do we experience intimacy? Not not just acquaintance level with God. Not just kind of that familiarity with God. But there is this intimate, dynamic, life-giving relationship with the God of the universe. See, I think... I think that's the reason some of us, or many of us, gather here, is deep inside there is this longing for intimacy, intimacy with God. In fact, in fact, you know this to be true just if you look at your your own life, is you and I are hardwired for relationships. You and I are hardwired, it's built into the DNA, the fabric of who we are, we are hardwired for an uh, intimate relationship with another human being, which actually points to our design uh, that we are created for a loving, ongoing relationship with the God of the universe. Ultimately, the only thing that will fully satisfy the craving and the longing and the deep need of our soul is engaging in an intimate, ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe. Now, I know that's a little, for some of you, like, really but if that's true if that's true how how do we experience that how do we step into that how do we not just go through the motions of being religious how do we not just kind of Play and pretend, and then on the inside feel hollow and empty. How do we actually step foot into this relationship that is intimate and dynamic, life-giving? The word intimacy, uh, I've said this before, uh, a good way to kind of break it down is simply this, uh, and you can write it above it, uh, I-N-T-O-M-E-S-E-E. Intimacy is simply this, in-to-me-see. Intimacy is saying, you can see into me. It is breaking open the, the walls and the facade and all of you and opening up your heart and saying, this is the real me, all of me, here I am. It is incredibly vulnerable. And as a result, it takes an immense amount of trust and safety, and, and, and it has to be developed over time. It is into me, see. That you'd say this, that you develop this relationship where you go, God, here I am. All of me. And then on the flip side, God's saying, into me see. And where you begin to catch a glimpse of his heart, and you begin to see him as he is, and you begin to experience God, God and you catch his heart and his passion and his love and you get to see God and this would be your response if we get there we would use this phrase we'd say oh my God but we'd actually mean it how do you experience that with the God of the universe now here's what I find interesting we kind of know what it takes to do that with another human being we understand that that to experience intimacy with another human being it, it takes a few things it, it takes incredible vulnerability it takes an immense amount of trust in the person that their character can handle and will not reject all of you it can only occur in relationship. This doesn't happen with just anyone. It occurs not in just any type of relationship. It occurs when there is full and complete commitment because then you can be fully and completely you. It's only in that type of relationship. Now, we know that in the human realm. Now, here's what's interesting. The same laws that govern Our earthly relationships apply to our spiritual relationships. The same laws, the the same principles that govern how we engage in an intimate, ongoing love relationship, whether it's with your mate or maybe it's a close friend or a parent, is the same exact laws or principles that govern our spiritual relationship. There is this disconnect that we have that all of a sudden we understand, okay, this is how we have a relationship, and I can see you, you can see me, and we develop this trust, and it takes time, and and it's a process, and we have this connection commitment, and as the commitment grows, my intimacy grows with you. I've got that, okay, and then we go over into our relationship with God, and we get weird, right? I, I mean, we just get funky with God. We, we go, well, we, we, okay, well, maybe there, and we talked about this last week, there's this secret formula, and I'm just trying to figure that out, or, you, you know, and, and, And we try all kinds of things, and yet the reality is, the reality is same principles that govern your earthly relationship, it is true in how you engage and experience that. So, so just as, and here's the spiritual principle here, just as communication is the primary pathway to intimacy with other, prayer is the primary pathway to intimacy with God. Just as to have an intimate, ongoing love relationship with someone, communication is the primary pathway in which you experience it. Now, now as a guy, I'm at a severe disadvantage when talking about communication. Right? I mean, uh, when we first got married, uh, I I mean, I was really bad. I'm growing. My wife's training me. I'm getting there. Um, But I mean, I didn't have a clue about communication. I'm getting a clue, but I'm not there yet. I I mean, when we got married, I didn't understand how communications work and how, because to communicate is to commune, to find understanding, mutual understanding is to share hearts. Communication is that you would have an alignment of one another's hearts right? And so, I mean, I remember Jenny would do this. We lived in Chicago when we first got married and she'd say, uh, I'd ask her, are you ready to go? And she'd say yes. And so I'd be standing at the door with my jacket because it's Chicago, it's cold. I'm all, you know, got my toboggan on and everything. And yeah, Midwest people call it toboggan. Get off me. Um, (laughs) Beanie, sorry i got my beanie on, um, and I'm standing there for like five, ten minutes, and she's in the bathroom, and I'm like, what, what, what's going on? I'm sweating inside now, and I get so frustrated, and eventually, I, I asked her, Jenny, you, I asked, are you ready to go? You said yes, and so I'm standing, I'm waiting, what's going on? And she, she's like, I personally am ready to go, but there's other things that I have to get done to be ready to go oh my gosh, are you kidding me? (laughs) But I realized, communication, communication. I got to ask the right question. Not are you ready to go, but are you ready to walk out the door? (laughs) But I mean, as a guy, I I miss this all the time. I remember when we first got married, because I I lived with, you know, guys, roomed with guys, and didn't know how to talk to a girl, and, you know, like in a, so, like, the trash would be full, and the way we'd do it in my dorm room with my buddy Steve, if one of us was doing something, we'd just look at him, hey, take out the trash, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, that doesn't work, by the way, with, with, the, with, with my wife. Um, I'd say, hey, take out the trash, and, like, it was as if I crushed her. <laughs> And you like, do you mean take out the trash? Well, it's full. I mean, it's, it's full. The trash is full. That's what we got to do. And it's like, no, your tone. Your tone means so much. Oh, I'm still learning that one, by the way, tone. <laughs> when we go on dates, oh, this will be my last one because we got to get on. But I, but this, this, this is so important. Don't miss this. When you go on dates, my wife is an incredible question asker. She, if you ever hang out with her, she's an incredible question asker. I am not. And so we'd go out on dates, and she would sit, and she would ask me questions, and then she would get done asking questions, and I'd just sit there and be silent. <laughs> and we'd just kind of stare at one another. And, and she's like, don't you want to know about me? I go, yeah, why don't you share? <laughs> that didn't go over well either. And so I, I kind of learned, and she's like, How was your day? And so I'd be like, Okay, so that's a question I should ask. So, how was your day? You know, I just ask it back. See, just as communication is the pathway to intimacy. Prayer is the pathway to intimacy with God. The same rules that govern our earthly relationships govern our spiritual one with God. So think about communication. Think about the stories I shared. Communication takes time, doesn't it? You can't communicate unless you are actually fully present distracted conversations with my wife aren't communication they're talking at each other communication takes time communication actually takes talking it takes words it takes question asking it takes pursuit it, it it takes listening and i came to find out that listening is a full body sport this is another thing my wife taught me about communication that your eye contact matters i'm like but i'm I can hear you, but I just don't have to look at you. It's not, you're great to look at, but that's not the issue. It's just I'm watching TV, but I'm listening. It's like, listening's a full body sport. Eyes, focus, attention, thoughts. The same, the same is true when we begin to talk about prayer. Because prayer is simply our communication. It is the pathway to intimacy with God. If you got your Bibles, would you open them up to Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. Jesus, Jesus is going to unpack for us five areas, five areas that develop intimacy with God. If you came in and you're feeling stuck relationally with God, and this is true, uh, you know, we hit those plateaus with people and relationships, but you're coming in five areas that align our heart with God's heart, that we might begin to experience that intimate, ongoing love relationship with the God of the universe. He starts it out this way. Verse 9. This then is how... You should pray. And just a quick note on that, because the the prayer that we cited, that Jesus says, uh, down through the centuries, Christians has used it in liturgy and re- reciting it, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's a very good thing. But but what I want you to notice is, he said, this is how, this is the type of way that you should pray. The contents that I have here are, are the things that should be the contents of your communication with God. It isn't, this is what you should pray. See, he's going to interact with you, and how he made you, and where you're at in your life, and he's saying, let me give you a framework in how to experience intimacy with him. The first area, he says, is this, the area of worship. First area that develops intimacy with God that aligns our heart with his is this area of worship. Worship simply means to ascribe worth. Notice what he says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just circle that word father real quick. In, in the uh, in Greek it's Abba. Well, Hebrew is Abba. I remember when I was in Israel with my family and and hearing little kids run up to their dad and pull on their shorts at the pool, you know, and Abba, Abba, Abba. This is the the word that my son, my four-year-old son says to me, Papa, Dad. This was revolutionary in Jesus' day to ever speak of God this way. Father, Papa. Papa. This intimate, close, familiar relationship with the God of the universe. But Jesus holds it in balance here. He holds it in tension with Abba, Father, full and complete access. And we talked a lot about that last week. Then with what? In heaven, your perfect heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Circle that word, hallowed, right next to it. It simply means, let your name be sacred to me. Let you and who you are always be set apart and holy and distinct. Don't let me ever pull you down into the mundane of my life or diminish or have little thoughts about you. Let me keep you sacred. Sacred, daddy, holy, father. He says it's in that tension that we worship, that we get a right view of God. I wrote there the definition Worship is recognizing and responding appropriately to the greatness of God. The greatness of God is that he is so great that he can be intimate and personal and come to us exactly as we are. And yet he is so great that he is immense and all-knowing and sovereign and holy. And that is the beginning point to an intimate relationship with the God of the universe when we begin to worship. When we begin to go, you are God and there is no other. You look up and see God for who he is is communication you can't have an intimate relationship with someone you don't know and he says this is the beginning point look up and get to know me father papa perfect sovereign practice here talk to god about god in your daily life one of the more powerful ways in my life is spend time thanking him Go enjoy his creation. Look up and see, wow, God, you made all this. Hey, you spoke. You didn't have to do anything. You just said something, and a boom, and it all came into existence. And you just go, oh, my God. Maybe put worship music on in your car. The first area that begins to align our hearts with God's heart, develops intimate relationship with him, is one of worship. The second then is of surrender, of surrender. Jesus goes on to say this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The definition of surrender is giving God full and complete control of every area of your life that is why when we pray some of you put your hands up and i don't know if you know why we put our hands up but it is an act of surrender an act of god i need you god i am all yours i am fully completely abandoned to you it is an act of saying surrender your kingdom come not my kingdom your will be done not my will that's surrender When you get to the point and say, God, I'm tired of building building my own kingdom. I'm tired. My will and my ways aren't working anyways. I'm ready for you. And it's an invitation to invite heaven to crash into your present reality and all around you. As it is in heaven. So it be on earth. See, it's not waiting for heaven one day, someday, later. It's saying God wants to invade heaven here now through you in an act of surrender. This, by the way, is one of the main reasons I believe many followers of Jesus live powerless lives. Because it becomes an issue of surrender. That you don't experience the presence of God where you go and surrender, you just go, God, all I am is you, yours. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. See, God does this. God awakens a generation to new life, one person at a time. And you go, God, I'm here. When I acknowledge and worship, you are holy and you are mighty and yet you are Father. You have good plans for me. It is so easy, it is most natural to say, have your way. Let heaven invade this moment. And for some, you, you need to just go, okay God, there's things I'm holding back from you and I need to fully lay them out. You have it. The practice, invite the king to take his rightful place in your heart and life. I think physically helps me. You may want to physically kneel as an act of reverence, of an act of getting yourself low before the king most high and saying, you are king and I am not. King of heaven, will you be the king in me? First is the area of worship. The second is the area of surrender. The third area that aligns our heart with God's heart that develops this intimate love relationship is then the area of request. Jesus says this, give us today our daily bread. If the first two get our eyes so focused up on Him and bringing all of us to Him, the second is then, uh, meets us in the reality of today. God, would you give us today our daily bread? Uh, Notice that He says a couple different things here. Uh, Notice today and daily. It's like emphasized. God says, I I want to interact with you and I'll give you exactly what you need to make it through today. Yeah, but I don't know. I got this coming up in a week. Yeah, bring that too. But here's what you need to know. I'll give you what you need. Notice what bread is. Bread bread is just a need. I I may not give you what you want. I might, but I may not give you what you want. I definitely won't give you your greeds, but I will give you your needs. says, give us today our daily bread. Definition of requesting is asking God to give us what we need to make it simply through that day. God invites us. God invites you. He says, in light of who I am and where I want you to be, I invite you to bring to me the needs of each and every day. By the way, this is an act declaring our dependence on God. When you ask something of someone, it is saying, I can't do it, I need you. That's why it's so powerful in developing an intimate relationship with God, because you go, God, I I can't, but you can. I I can't do it, uh, I can't face that coworker. I can't face that boss, I can't face this, but you can. Would you do that through God? Me, I need you. Practice, bring to God the needs and concerns of today, spiritually, emotionally. Where are you at emotionally? What are some things where you need in this moment to move forward physically? There might be some pain, relationally, vocationally, and financially. You just bring to God the needs and the concerns of today. Five areas that align our heart With God's heart. Worship. Surrender. Request. The fifth area that builds this intimate relationship with God is then the area of confession. The area of confession. Jesus goes on to say this, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Uh, This area is one that I think uh, tends, as I've looked around and kind of wrestled with this, tends to be a foreign concept to us because we don't do this well in our earthly relationships either. You know, if the laws that govern our earthly relationships are the same and true for our spiritual relationship, we don't generally uh, do confession well in relationships. What we do is we avoid well. We, we push it under and dismiss it and, and don't deal with it and hope that it goes away and ignore it. And, you know, that seed of bitterness goes and you maybe just kind of, okay, I'm not even going to be around them anymore. And, and so since we don't do it very well, uh, humanly speaking, we, we really don't do it well in our relationship with God. He says, forgive us our debts as we then forgive our debtors. Next week, we're going to unpack a really complicated, uh, not complicated, but complicated. Uh, Confusing phrase. Jesus says right at the end. You don't want to miss it next week. Uh, it goes along with this. But forgiveness simply means this. To release your right for revenge. To let go of your right to pay someone back to get even. And you're going to God and saying, you have a right You have all the right in light of who I am to hold things against me and to take revenge. Would you forgive me? Confession. Confession simply means to agree with God. It it just means to... So when he calls something what it is, you go, yep, that's true. When when you're talking about your personal life, talking about the words of gossip, you're talking about the lustful thoughts, you're talking about these things that are in each and every one of us. He says, confession simply means, God, those are true and those are ugly and they violate a holy God and they bring enmity between me and you. I, that is true. I agree with your way of looking at life. Would you forgive me? Would you wash me clean? See, what we do, instead of agree with God, we argue with God all the time, don't we? It's not that big of a deal. Everyone else does it. It's not hurting anyone else. No one else knows. It's just the way the work environment is. My friends. And we argue and we excuse, and he says to develop intimacy, and this is true in every single relationship, is you have to be right with one another. Confession. Confession is that. Where you go, God, I need you. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's his faithfulness that forgives, he says. There's some of you that have been walking around with so many things on your shoulders in guilt and shame and he says, confess, get clean, come before me. I long to take that off of you. The practice here is to ask the Spirit of God to show any area of unconfessed sin then respond specifically owning what he reveals and asking For forgiveness. Let me just give you some real specific things here because I I do think this is an area we miss. Start. Say, God, would you show me anything in me that is breaking my relationship from you? Would you show me? Some of you don't need him to show you, you know. Confession does this. Be specific. Don't be vague. God, I'm sorry for, and then you fill in the blank, specifically. Own your own junk. I did this. No one else made me. It's me, God. I stand before you. No one else. It's my fault. I'm sorry will you forgive me? And then at the end of the process, what I'd encourage you, for some, it's an act of faith, but it's already true of you, that you would thank God for forgiving you. That you would start off being real specific. God, I'm sorry for blank i can't blame it i i stepped in yeah i might have been tempted i might have been lured i might have been coaxed but i made the decision own your own junk it's me and then you say god will you forgive me will you wash me clean will you make me whole will you restore our relationship and god thank you because that first john 1 9 i says you're faithful Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for, for cleansing me. Thank you for not holding over me. Thank you for releasing your right to get back. Amen. You'll find that if you begin to engage in this, your intimate relationship with God will skyrocket. Because there are far too many things that are keeping us from being able to really experience God that we walk around with. And if we would just say, God, I'm tired. I just want to get right with you. I just want to get right with you. The last area that develops intimacy with God, that that aligns our heart with God's heart, is one that Jesus says, for our own sake. It's the area of protection. Protection. He says it for us because here's what I know to be true for you and for me. The moment you begin to decide, hey, I am going to step and begin to really follow after Jesus, you will experience opposition immediately. You'll experience things that will just be roadblocks. All of a sudden, you'll, you're like, I really want to follow God. But you wake up the next day with the worst attitude in the world. Your kids are going crazy and you're like, ah, oh, have you ever wondered Have you ever wondered why it is that the minute you begin to make a significant decision towards God in your life, that it seems like life seems to fall apart? Jesus says, pray this, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not, there's two parts to this, keep me from me. Save me from my bad choices. Help guard me from doing things that would harm our relationship. In in the Old Testament, the word transgression, we see that word in the Old Testament. It, It means to be bent or to grow crooked. Uh, that we have transgressions literally means that we are growing crooked or we have this natural bent away from God and every single one of us in this room has a natural bent away from God that that left to ourselves we go that direction and it is different for each of us some of us guys is a little bit more common than others and girls a little bit more common but it's different And it's saying, God, would you keep me from my natural bent away from you that I I don't want anything to come in between my relationship with you? Would you lead me from temptation? And then the second area is then what? And deliver me from the evil one. 1 Peter 5, I think it's 16, says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That the spiritual world is just as real as the physical world and there is an adversary. The minute you take a step towards God, the minute you do something that, that is going to advance His kingdom, He says, I want to oppose it. He says, God, would you guard me from that? And the purpose, the purpose is for your Relationship for intimacy with God. Definition of protection is God's activity in our life to guard us from sin and evil. The practice here, would you pray for spiritual protection and the discernment to identify the, attack, the attacks of the enemy? Would you pray for spiritual discernment to understand, okay, is this just a funky day or is this really funky enemy wants to do three things in our life there's other things but I know these are three clear tactics first thing is he wants to discourage you you begin to take steps towards God and you feel an overwhelming sense of discouragement discernment level that may be not just random the uh, second thing is he wants to distract. Anything that keeps you from following Jesus, anything that'll keep, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I, I, we're talking about this. How do we experience intimacy with God? And man, I'm, I want to start this. And I, I'm just going to start praying around these five themes and all of a sudden life gets really busy and full and chaotic and, and everything happens. And I'm like, I, I wanted to, but I can't. And the third is Derail. See, he knows. He knows that if he can derail you, if he can entice you, if he can say, "Hey, yeah, I know you made Sunday, man. That was powerful. That was really great. But you haven't changed. Let me show you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Try that. Try it out." And, and here's what's amazing about the enemy: is he will entice and lure us and say, "Come on, come on, come on. You know that temptation. You know that natural bent. Come on, come on. It's not going to hurt anyone. Come on, come on, come on." And, and, and you go, and, and you go, boom. And then you know what he does? Another name for, the, for him is the accuser. And he accuses you. He says, look, look at what you did. Look at how bad you are. God would never want you back. God could not love you. See, it wasn't really real. God didn't do anything significant in your life. You can't ever have that type of relationship. And all of a sudden you go, oh, you're right, you're right. And we end up in a cycle away from God, he says, no, no, no. Remember back that confession part? Just come to me, get clean. I accept you as you are. Come. Five errors that align our heart with God's heart. It's not that you specifically pray, but these are five things that are talking points with God. I shared in our um, our first one about my daughter, and go ahead and pull that picture up and that we went on this daddy date. This is me and Ella. She's nine years old. We went out on this daddy date uh, and hanging out, and she brought this book. I didn't ask her. She just got this, I think. Well, obviously, I think her mom got it for her. Um, And just on the front of the book, it says, just dad and me. And it's got all kinds of activities for us to do in here and things that that just kind of guide and direct our time, that that help us just because there's times when we kind of go out, I feel stuck. Again, I'm not the great question asker that my wife is. I don't naturally do this. And This is so incredibly helpful, and so as we're out that day, you know, she's opening it up, and I'm like flipping through some things we can do, you know, I'm like, okay, not that one, okay, Um, yeah, all right, Um, and then I get to this, when you were my age, and there's questions on here, you know, pet you had or wanted, girl who was your friend, which You know, she's like, you had a friend? Yes, I did. Um, Rule you had to follow, something you got in trouble for. And there's these questions that just guided our conversation. And at the end of it, I realized how powerful it was that it just allowed us to talk. It wasn't the questions per se, but it opened the opportunity to get to know my daughter and her heart. When Jesus says, this is how you should pray. All he's doing is taking this and saying, it's just, it's just dad and me. It's just the dad and me thing where I want you to get to know your dad. I want you to get to know his heart and experience his love. And here's five areas for you to pray about, for you to talk to God about, That will help you experience intimacy. For you to see and understand his heart. For you and for him to see and know you.